And so, let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. listening to Make It, a podcast by Banzai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Buggs. Hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I'm here with my co-founder and good friend, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, I was all melodic with it. First, I was going to point out the this. That was a strong this, bro. Oh, man, mm-hmm. it said, and this. Like, don't get it twisted. Yeah. This right chunk, <laughs> right? Right chunk. Is the Make It Podcast. Right. And yes, hello. <laughs> that's, that's our second hello drop in an indie talk. It is. Oh, it's um, got to be. Yeah. The Lionel Richie version of hello, by the way. Uh, the, well, the only version that matters. There you go. No, I can't <laughs> I say that. Say. The Dills version is fire. Yeah, Dills is great. Yes, it's it fire. is. It is. I can't it say is. that. I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be a hater. No, not at all. No. Because we'll talk about that a little bit today about like why we shouldn't hate just because Lionel's a black dude. (laughs) 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 We shouldn't show show favoritism. Um, This this has been uh, an incredible week or so. Uh, We have in the last two days dropped five hours of podcast interview goodness. So we had a Juneteenth cast with Chris Haley. Yep. Awesome person. Awesome person. Always has something to say. Opinionated, strong opinions. 
you don't have to pull things out of them. It's it, it always every time I get them on a call or in a podcast, I feel like okay, I'm in I'm in this cast to learn something I didn't know before. And because of the way the conversations happen, they can literally go in any direction. And I started to think about if we should sort of lean in that direction with our interviews. We're past 100 at this point. As we go into the next phase and we're growing, this idea of being able to sort of talk about anything we want to, but in the context of too creative speaking, I'm really interested in that idea versus confining the conversation to filmmaking only. It's one of these things where I realized we are doing a filmmaking podcast, but as you've mentioned before, Nick, the creative is a whole person. That's right. And That's all right. those people, all those uh, things that make you that whole person have to be addressed and talked about. And I enjoyed it. I got to read a couple of his poems. Uh, the entire book is, is provocative. So I would go get it. It's called Fists and Rainbows with one fist in the air and holla. It was number one Amazon um, several times over the last, I think, two months in poetry. So go pick it up. It's great. Chris Haley was awesome. And um, we had Chris, another Chris. There are three Chris's. If you add me in, it's like Chris everywhere. Right. So <laughs> Chris everywhere. It's Chris, <laughs> Chris St. Croix. You're right. And not the hockey player, but the filmmaker. And he is, and I think we're going to touch on this a little bit later in terms of just like how much inspiration is too much inspiration. Uh, how much humility is too much. How much of all these attributes is too much. And I almost think he's too humble. Hmm. He, he could, I'm glad that we were able to have him on the podcast because I wanted to promote him. You know, I want, yep. I want, um, I want people to see what he's all about. I told him right there on the cast. I thought he was one of the best filmmakers we've ever interviewed. His movies are unbelievable. The stuff that he pulls off is unbelievable. The thing to focus on with him is when you watch his movies, he built the whole set himself. Yeah. And <laughs> well, and you know, he's he's been in so many different pockets of the industry. Yeah. Right. And that's that also lends itself to his ability to do all of those things, which is awesome. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it's um you know, he's you know, he's a rem- a remarkable filmmaker, too humble. I think people should know how good he is and he should be out there telling people how good he is, but in a, you know, but in a non-annoying way, but these, both these conversations were marathon conversations because they were with people who could elucidate, you know, and, 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 and can talk about a variety of things and have lived a rich life. Like, like when you hear about the things Chris St. Croix has done with his life, you're like, Whoa, right. Like (laughs) I, I, I wasn't kidding. I, you know, I said it in the interview, like I've only gotten through half my notes and we're three hours in. Right. Yeah. Right. Now the podcast is three hours cause I edited it down, right. but 
we were talking for a long time and I promise you, I was only through half my notes. I had so much more to ask him, but we just just, kept the conversation flowed, man. You know, and that's when you just let it be, you know, it's, it's organic, it's real, it's raw. And you just let it flow. Yeah. That's what happened. So I think in this case, these are the kind of podcasts that you can listen to over two or three days to finish. It's not going to hurt you to break them up and to consume them in small bites. And they're highly, highly evergreen. There is filmmaking yep. stuff in them. There is like something for the creative in both of those or a lot in the, for the creative in both of those. Uh, and it, not just the technical, but the emotional, you know, the realities of, of it all. So really proud of that. And uh, our newsletter, Nick. Also, I want to just mention uh, that newsletter is just getting rave reviews. And yeah, a lot of great attention. I think we've been too humble about <laughs> the newsletter. I think we've been too humble about it and we need to let more people know about it. It comes out every two weeks. And every time it comes out, I get an email from someone saying another great newsletter. This was so valuable. Send me the link to this. Can yep. you give me more information on this data or, or on this thing? And honestly, the whole thing was born out of us just wanting to promote the creatives that we know, this audience, all sorts of um, creatives from around the world that are making cool things. And we said, well, let's just platform them and get them more eyes than they had before. And the whole thing is just taken off. So, yeah, and really, and it's great. And we that. have a lot of great support from the team, you know, to make that happen. Yep. So we really appreciate everybody who's working with us to get that, that content out there in the world. And like you said, yeah, big shouts out and big thank you to the folks who comment back, you know, and tell us that we're doing the thing, right? We're doing it well. And we really appreciate that. Um, I did, did want to jump key. back on the, yeah, I did want to jump back on the, the, the Chris, Chris, Chris conversation yeah. um, and just say that, you know, Chris when people Q. are listening to it, yeah, when we're listening to it, you know, when the audience is listening, like you, you said before, we're doing a, a filmmaking podcast, but it's more about the filmmakers, Yeah, you know, and it's really about, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now out there in the workforce about bringing your whole self to work. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's what we want people to bring to the podcast, because, you know, if you want to hear about the, you know, the fleeting thing. And when I say the fleeting thing is it's usually like, like the latest project, you know, the latest thing, there's tons of places to go to get that. And I say tons of places because they're really repetitive, right? Someone will say, well, tell me about your latest film. And, you know, let's talk about that. And it was at Tribeca or it was here. And then the next interview is the same, right? Well, you were featured at this place and let's talk about your film. It's the same conversation over and over and over again to the point that the filmmakers can basically just regurgitate what they said the last time. And we strive not to do that, right? Not you know, we're, to be We're that. not a press junket interview. Exactly. We're not that. Even though, like you said, we want to promote people, you know, it's promoting them, their work, and who they are as human beings. You know, we want people to listen to these podcast episodes and say, wow, right? Like, I would like to work with that person. Yep. Right. That's it. That human being first. And I think that that's what those conversations are. And that's why they go the way that they go. So naturally, because you're giving runway for these people to bring their whole selves to work. 
That's very important for us. Absolutely. I completely agree. But I want to jump back on what you said there about bringing your whole self to work. Yep. There is a test. Well, there are multiple tests, but the one I like is called the DISC profile. D-I-S-C. And that's an acronym. I don't know what the acronym stands for anymore. I think the C is compliance. I think the I is is influencer or not influencer. It's, um, uh, God, it might be, it might be influence. I don't even know. Um, anyway, it's disc. It's a disc profile to me. It's better than Enneagram. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, it's better than the Myers Briggs, which I think is actually very good. And I've taken that before, but this is the reason I say it's better is because you get a booklet that is about 60 pages long when you do it the right way, not the online version, but you take it, you know, at a place, you get this giant booklet that tells you what to do with the information, right? Like one of the hallmarks of our current society is that we have all the information at our fingertips and don't know what to do with it. No clue. Yeah. One of the hallmarks of the last two generations is that they have all the information in the world, at their fingertips, but don't know which questions to ask. They don't know the right questions to ask. So a big part of being uh, to me successful, especially in business, but also creative is not necessarily which questions you get answered, but which, but knowing what's an important question to ask. And, and understanding how things work and what the infrastructure is. And if you don't have those words or know what to say or know what to ask, then you're just going to get what's p- placed in front of you. And what's placed in front of you, you know, in the creative realm is, hey, we'll pay you $700,000 for your film in 24 months. <laughs> and you got to ask, learn to ask the, the right question. So anyway, right. disc profile tells you who you are, right? It tells you who you are at work and who you are outside of work. And those are supposed to be different personalities outside of work, inside of work. Mine are the same. And so one of the things they, they told me or the feedback, the data told me is here are some tools to not get yourself in trouble with that trait because I'm the same person inside and outside of work. I can do things that might press the limits or the boundaries of what's appropriate at work. That's why disc is great because it taught me that I don't need to make the workplace bend to me, but that I should be melding into the workplace. And one of the things we saw this week that we wanted to talk about was something that it was just a throwaway. We were just a throwaway quote from Forbes. And it just, I think, I think we find meaning in the mundane because I think that, you know, me coming from the journalism background and you coming from a, a, a background of academia growing up and then, you know, structured sort of, um, sort of detail that comes with being a computer science major, you know, that detail that you have to have to just have the math, right. We noticed the minutia and realized, "Mm, 
you do that every day over the span of a year and it becomes a thing and you're actually pushing an agenda or pushing an idea that eventually gets absorbed and framed into people's minds. So I don't know, can you, uh, I don't know if I want to go further here without giving the audience the, what we read in Forbes. So this is an article by the way, right? And not a title of our article. This was just like, can you describe what this was, Nick, to everybody? Yeah, there's a quote within the article. So before I I get to that, I'll offer you the the DISC acronym. So the D is dominance. Mm. Yeah. The I is influence. The S is steadiness. And the C is compliance. Yes. And you can be high or low in any of these areas. Right. Okay. I'm a low C and a I scored the high, this is not, it sounds this about is not right. good for me. This is not good for me to mention this. Low, low I, scored, compliance. I scored the highest I in the class of 30 people. Influence. Well, that's very good. No, 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 no. It's too high. It was, it was considered, it's, it's, it was considered just below being a problem. I think is where it scored. That's a, how, how do you stretch boundaries? <laughs> Right. You can't stretch it if you're not at the edge, right? If you can't yeah. touch the edge, you can't push mm-hmm. the boundaries. So I think it's a good thing. That's because I don't think it's a bad thing. I think what they're telling you is be mindful mm-hmm. that you are at the edge. Yeah. Right. And if you go over the edge, then that's when you potentially break the compliance. Right. Yeah. You break that and then you cause a problem. But hey, man, live on the edge, dude. That's 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 what we do. Um, yeah. So, so the, the, the quote, you know, kind of what we're, we're talking about, I'm going to look up in an article here uh, that talks about it. I know that there was a, uh, an, a legends of culture event series to spotlight change makers in communities of color. Mm. And one of the events took place this past week on Forbes on fifth celebrating women of color who are changing the game, in their re- respective industries and paving the way for others. Okay. So, uh, one of the folks there, you know, I mean, there was this, obviously all these folks are speaking to the audience and, you know, the article says that there was, you know, um, many opportunities for people to, you know, they jumped up and they were, you know, yelling in the affirmative. They were like, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, we, we believe, you know, yes, I hear you, you know, and it's awesome. You know, you want that type of enthusiasm, you want that type of engagement, um, but before reading the full article, and I still don't have the full context to the quote, but I saw this thing pop up on Instagram and, you know, Forbes and other places do it. I mean, we do it, right? We'll pull a quote that we think is meaningful and we'll share that with our audience. And, and Forbes shared this quote, um, and it says, be who you are and the world will adjust. And, you know, when I saw that, it kind of hit me, right? And it hit me because I do a lot in my life, whether it's, you know, in my, in my personal life, my creative life, my professional life, you know, all of these things blend for me, just like you, Chris, where it's like, I'm the same person in all these places where I do want to be an inspiration for other people. I want to be inspirational, right. To other people. I'm always, you know, the, the positive guy, I'm the one who's trying to, to push things forward. Um, but when I hear, when I see or read or hear a, a quote like this, again, without any other additional context, it seems like it goes one step too far, right? It's like, there's a point where you take aspirations so far, yeah. right? Just like in your profile, right? Where it's like, you're yeah. on the edge, 
Yeah. It's like you take aspiration one step too far that now you break your connection with reality. Mm-hmm. So again, to bring it back, the quote was be who you are and the world will adjust. Now, again, you want to bring your whole self to work. You want to be who you are. That's what diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is all about, right? Bringing unique, diverse voices, everyone being a part of the whole. Um, but the idea that being who you are and then everything else will bend to your will, I think it just, like I said, it goes one step too far. Everyone else isn't going to bend to you right? The world will not automatically adjust to your uniqueness. There is still a fight to be had. You know, one of the, and we I was just in a number of panels on, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, one female filmmaker, um, you know, said she's still fighting to be in the room, hmm. right? Like still today, she's like, I, I still have to fight to be in the room. Right. Right. right? So it's still a fight. Yeah. You know, that world for her is not just bending to the uniqueness in her voice and who she is and her authentic self, even though she brings that to the table every day. What, what, what was the context of that? What is the room and, and what is she, what is she fighting? What is she like? What does she mean by fighting to get into what room? So, you know, you could take the, take it in as broad context, which is like the industry, right? If she wants to be a writer, right? She has to prove herself maybe a little bit more, right? Than other folks who might've had an easier step into that room as a director, as an animator, you know, the room might already be filled with folks who look a certain way or who tell certain stories. And she has a unique outlook, right? She has a unique vision and she's like, well, I have to fight for the folks who are already in the room to accept my vision, right. To accept my community, to accept my blackness, right. To accept my brownness, like whatever it is. And that's where she still feels like she's still fighting. And I think a lot of people feel that way. That's why there's summits like this. Yeah. Right. Where we have to get these, you know, uh, black and brown and female and whatever the case may be, these, you know, creators together to inspire other people. So I get it. I get the nature of the comment, right. About be who you are. Again, my only pushback, if you will, is I think sometimes it can be dangerous not to recognize the real, right. The fight, the fact that the fight still exists. It's tough and complex to try to make sense of it. On one hand, I know that there is difficulty for minorities to get a fair shake. And it's across industry. Like, for example, there's less VC and angel money given to black people, for example. And then other groups, even other minority groups. You know, how do you make sense of it? I mean, the other side of it, though, is it's hard and it's a fight for everyone to get in that room. I've never heard any person of any background say making it in the film and television industry was easy. 
Like when, when was it easy to get a writing job? There's only like, I think something like a thousand to 1400 working writers in, in, in all of industry, uh, that isn't, that, that isn't an indie. So you're talking about winning the lottery in a lot of ways. And then you're coming back and saying, can you believe this? I didn't win the lottery. And like, yeah, like keep buying tickets. Like it, it, because that's, you know, that's what you have to do. And so that's why it gets a little bit, it's, it's tough. Cause like on one hand, I know it's true cause I've lived it and it's a shared experience. But on the other hand, like I have that shared experience with her, I should say, but on the right. other hand, it's, I, it's not easy for anyone for anyone. And I think that sometimes as a black person, I have a, and as black people, we have a choice to make a lot of times and we have to figure out if it's valid or not. And the choice is, did I not get this because I'm not good enough or did I not get this because I'm black? That's a, that's a, and it's a really tough thing. It's a really tough thing to, to have to decide and, or to validate or to validate. You know? I yeah. mean, unless it's blatant, right. Unless it's in your face, it's very mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. Did I, and it, it comes down to, you know, all things I like, I, like, for example, I, I mentioned, I'll stick with it. Cause I mentioned it. I mentioned the VC and angel industry. So I mentioned it comes down to all things like all industries. Well, what you find out is those business, those would be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that aren't getting funded. What you find out is those VCs don't end up and angels don't end up funding those businesses because they don't relate to the, they have no idea about the culture and lifestyle. So it's not that the idea is bad or good or anything like that. It's just that they feel like they're the wrong investor for them because they can't be useful and helpful. And that's why there's this, uh, enormous crop of black VCs starting to um, crop up and, and um, you know, pop up everywhere uh, across, you know, Silicon Valley and, and New York right. and other places uh, just because that's just, it's just a fact of life that you, we, we say the same thing about writers, like write what you know. Right. But that's not to say that if you're a white person and you have an Asian story to tell, not to write it. I would never say that. I respect right. your, yeah. your, your free speech. I respect your creativity and your ability and your need to write what's on your heart and on your mind. But when you make that choice, you better be right. That's mm-hmm. all. You yeah. better be correct because people will know when it doesn't ring true. And you'll have to pay a price for that. A lot of people think that free speech means I say whatever I want. No, you say whatever you want. First of all, hate speech isn't covered. Two, you say whatever you want, and there are consequences. And you have to take the consequences as fairly as the other group that had to hear or absorb your your speech, whether that be through a screenplay, teleplay, Twitter, whatever. So, I mean, do your thing but know your stuff. And I think a lot of times that's what happens. Like you, you get into a pitch 
and you're black and you pitch a black story, it feels authentic. You're a black person and you go in and you pitch, you know, something that people don't stereotypically believe is black, which is super unfortunate. Then you don't get the pitch. And, and, um, I think you talked to, to, uh, Cameras, is that his name? Cameras yeah. Johnson recently about this. And, and he's like, yeah, once you get that first job that maybe you got because you were telling a black story, then after that, you can tell the real story you had on your heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it really it's reflected what idea. you wanted to talk about. Yeah. And it's that idea of getting in the room, right? You know, you use that to get into the room. And once you're in the room, then you have the opportunity to, to sell other things. But I think, you know, you, you hit a very important point and this is one of the, the four whys that we always talk about. Right. Yeah. And that's that, that last one, which is the why me as the audience of your pitch, right. Yeah. And, or the audience of your story or the, anyone you're speaking to that you're trying to engage to, to finance you, to sponsor you, to watch your stuff. It's the why. And maybe that's a, a big challenge for folks right now who are in this, you know, diverse space, this multicultural space yeah. where they're pitching and they're not, and let's, let's say they, let's just make the assumption that what they do is good yeah. as in they do quality work, but it's not working for them. It's not, it, they're not getting the pitch done. It's not, they're not finding success. It mm-hmm. could come back to what you said before, which is all the other stuff, all the other whys make sense. The first why, right? Why you, Oh, this is my story. I lived it. You know, why now? Well, the current zeitgeist is this, you know, why this film, because this story means so much. And it means this, that all those things are covered. You did it. I mean, understand it. But it's that last one mm-hmm. where the people that you're pitching just do not have the connection to the content. Yep. Again, not say anything about quality, right? And not say anything about, you know, even diversity. Like it's not that they don't want to tell you that story. It's just, it doesn't connect. Yeah. Right. So maybe for some other folks who are finding success, it's because they're going with the same pitch to the right people. Yeah. Right. You, you pitch the wrong person. It's a no every time. Right. And it, maybe that's it. Is it maybe like, like you were saying it's about the, the industry or, or being someone who's in the industry and not knowing what questions to ask. Maybe that's also, that's part of the challenge. You don't know the right people to talk to. And because you're not talking to the right people, you're not getting the responses. And so it has nothing to do with, yeah. but again, potentially it may have nothing to do with the color of your skin, your gender or anything else. It may be that you're just in the wrong room or trying to get in the wrong room to begin with. Yeah. And that's I, a challenge, right? Like that's yeah. what we need mentors to help us through this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I go back to what you said about Forbes, you know, be yourself and, the world will adjust. Well, you know, on one hand, it's like, okay, take it. Maybe that's taken out of context. I'd like to see the entire quote. I'd like to see yep, the entire thing. Cause maybe in that moment, the person that said that the young lady that said that was just being quixotic, mm. you know, it was just like, <laughs> like or, or this, just this, 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 this'll, this'll be a great click. Like this'll be a great clip that can, but we think that Forbes knows what they're doing. We think they right. pulled that on purpose to put that out. And so the real reality with that is, is people of all backgrounds are going to read that 
and the bottom line is if I'm Arthur Fleck, AKA the Joker, right? I don't need to be myself. The world should not adjust to me. And I've said this all the time. People always say, be yourself. Just be yourself. Just do you, boo. You're right. like, no, <laughs> if you're an asshole, stop doing you. Stop being an asshole. <laughs> like, do, do so. We, we need this stuff in our lives, and we don't want to admit it. Right. We need someone to look up to. We need examples of greatness. We right. need yep. mentors. We need a reason to get out of the bed in the morning. We need hope. People have to stop bullshitting about that stuff. Like, yeah, no, we need that stuff. I need to believe that the sun, the nuclear reactor in the sky is going to stay there for another, you know, million millennia. Right. I need to know that the goal I'm trying to reach the next day isn't going to be usurped by the fact that there's going to be a nuclear war. Like we need and rendered meaningless because everything's fucking nihilistic or whatever. Right. And it's just like, we, we fool ourselves when we, when we say that, that you, that, that you just need to be the person you were raised to be. Well, that's true for some people. And there's a lot of people that that it's not true of i heard something um today on a talk show where one of the uh hosts was asked because he didn't ha- grow up with his dad and one of the hosts was asked would you rather have a dad that yelled at you and was mean or no dad and he was like are you kidding me i'll take the mean dad and so people get flippant they don't understand. And by the way, that person was black and the person asking was white. Not that that right. <laughs> matters, but what I'm saying in, in that is okay. there's a, uh, it's, it's changed now, but in the eighties and nineties and, and early aughts, then, you know, you, you might see a fatherless home in the black community or two or three. And none of my friends growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in had dads, but me, I was the only one with a dad, only one. Now you came along and you have a dad. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That must be a balance. That must be a well-balanced guy. So anyway, the point is, is I think people get flipping about how important a dad is to the kid and they grow up and realize, Oh, it would have been so different for me. Had my dad not died or had he not left or had he, you know, whatever been in my life more. So we just pretend that like we're good who we are and everybody's good who they are. Everybody's perfect. No, I had to get multiple mentors to get out of the situation that, that uh, I was in. Not that I was in some terrible situation. Right. It was just that it's like to get beyond it, I should say. To get beyond what I was given, I needed people, like you said, Nick, to help me, pull me up mentor me, guide me, give me some principle, give me some philosophy. So no, you can't just let the world adjust, which by the way, I think she stole from Tupac from the song. Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. Right. He said, uh, mama said, don't stop until I bust a nut. Fuck the world. If they can't adjust right. just as well. Hail Mary. I think it's like the lyric. So I think she was just, again, being quixotic, doing the two, like being inspirational. Here's the Tupac line. I'm going to adjust it for me. And then Forbes grabbed it, clipped it, and put it out there for everybody to read. And 
And now, yeah. and, and now and for me, it's, so getting, it's double down on people being maybe not their best selves. Yeah. And this is the time again, it's zeitgeist, you know, this is the time again, it's, uh, it's still the month of June, right? So it's still very much pride month. Yeah. You know, there is the zeitgeist of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Again, yep. I was just on a panel for that. Yeah. So you know, this is the zeitgeist. This is the era of positivity, you know, and, and maybe again, it goes too far. I think that if we were to amend that quote, right. If we were to adjust it, it would be a, be who you are, find your tribe and find a mentor. Yep. Yep. Cause it's, right? a com- it's, com- it's, it's a complex thing to navigate. Is it not? I mean, yes. It, it's a, um, I'll, I'll, I'll end, I'll end us on this. I'll wrap us on this and well, this thought and then please feel free yeah. to to jump in with with any retort that that you that you have on this but i think it's so complex that the number one thing as a creative you can count on the and when i say it's so complex the world as a whole in terms of how you're supposed to navigate your way through it no matter what your background is it's so complex that I think the number one thing to do is to double down on what your best assets are and minimize what your deficiencies are. Right. I agree. While in the quiet working on those deficiencies or getting even better at the thing that makes you unique and great versus trying to figure out, okay, in this situation, do I play the race card in this situation? Should I play the minority card or the LGBTQIA plus card? Should I, should I play the female creator card? Um, in this situation, should I go in there and be like Steve jobs? Should I bust in the room and be like, you know, X, Y, Z person instead of trying to, trying to figure out the angle, it can be useful, but I think the main thing is, and the tough thing is, is to really know yourself, to really know what you like, what makes you tick, what makes you work, and then double down on that. I had a young lady I was mentoring five years ago. She was in her mid-20s. And she was concerned that she sounded too Southern to be taken seriously in the room. A big Southern accent. I said, you know, you shouldn't change your accent. You should actually double down on it. You should try to almost maybe think about what worked for uh, Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. And I said, what worked for her? in that movie is that she knew her shit. She knew her stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's what it comes down to. And so what you're actually insecure about is that you don't know your stuff and you sound like this, which is a double no, no. Right. When you're like the most credible person and you know your stuff, then it becomes a feature, not a bug that you have that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's an example of what I mean about finding what is your strength? What makes you different? What makes you unique? What makes you compelling? 
and then minimizing your deficiencies by like not doing that humble thing or that, that fake humility thing where you bring up that you're bad at this or bad at that, or I'm, I'm not really this good at that, but don't do that. Just minimize those deficiencies and show people your best self if you can. And then once you do that, if you have to make these choices about, um, you know, maybe using a different angle or, or, or being, you know, like deploying some, some other kind of strategy, then you can go there. Yeah. And I'll just, so I'll just add to that. And as we close, it's just, you know, as you've identified, you know, who you are and you've embraced who you are, then just find the right rooms to be in. I think again, back to the, the quote earlier about the world will adjust. It, it's not, you know, but there are rooms that are waiting for you, right? There's someone with the holding the door open, waiting for you to walk through it yep. because of that unique talent of that unique skill of the community that you're a part of. And it's, you don't have to beat down that door. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the thing. Like you, maybe you don't have to fight, find your tribe, find the right rooms to be in, find mentors to help you overcome some of those deficiencies. And then I think your perception of the world will adjust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do, do the anti-Monique. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) A little, a little, because I'm glad she got her. I'm glad she got her money from Netflix. I'm glad she got her money. I am genuinely glad, but I still also agree with the fact that she's having watched her stand up at least five times. Um, so I've been a fan, um, loved her and precious, uh, not as funny as these other comedians that got paid more. Sorry. Right. Just, just not. And at what point does a private business, I guess they're a publicly traded business, but at what point does a business have no right to negotiate? their outgoing capital fees, you know, whatever. Um, on the next indie talk. Yeah. And then maybe on the next indie talk, <laughs> I got to see w- what role unions played in the lawsuit and what roles union play unions play in a Netflix deal like that in the first place. And I'd be curious about what data was put forth during the case that Netflix had behind the scenes that would cause them to lose as well. Cause it's, you know, viewership, all that kind of stuff I'm sure played into the discussion. So, yeah, I, I think, I think the thing that probably played in was you put the judge in this situation where he or she would have to be subjective about a fair market rate based on what you've given others. Man, the judge was like, man, she funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right. so, tripping. <laughs> so, and I think maybe that was, maybe that was part of Monique's point too, is like, look, if you had offered me, just for example, if you'd offered me $500,000 for a special and then, uh, you know, I'll find out that tag, um, Navarro, what's her name? Or let's say Amy Schumer. Since I can't say her name yeah. for some okay. reason, even though she's really funny, the girl I was just thinking about, uh, and you found out Amy Schumer got 600. She probably would have been okay with that. I mean, she probably would have lived like, okay, I get it. But if she finds out Schumer got 15 million right. and she got 500, that's a problem. That is a problem. 
That's a challenge, my friend. Yeah. It happens in every industry. Like it happens in sports. The second some player sees that another player got paid more than them and they think they're better than them, they call their agent. Yeah, right of course. Yeah, it's new contract. Business, man. Time for a new contract. Yeah. Yeah, no way crazy. that guy's making more than me. There's yeah, no right. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it, the thing is, is we eat ourselves and we do this in film too. So as fees raise and things raise, that means the cost of everything raises and the harder, harder it would be for an independent filmmaker to make a movie. So it's a double-edged sword, <laughs> the double-edged sword. And we're on a high I'm, I'm, I'm positive gonna, I'm, spiritual I'm, I'm gonna try inspirational to do, note. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try to do my part. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna try to do your part to help this problem out, but we won't get into that now. Right. Okay. We will Very end good. on the inspirational note. Okay. So say something inspirational in it. Be the best version of yourself and look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. That is all. But not at the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> At the workplace, just be good. Be good at your job. <laughs> Do that first. And then there you go. Do else. good things. Do good work. Yeah. Uh, Nick, this has it. been a blast per usual. <laughs> and for those listening, I hope you enjoyed our uh, lively banter as well. We've got so, so much more coming for the rest of this year. The interviews are going to be popping. It's going to be great. More mistakes in the making coming. More industry yep. insights more newsletter uh, fun and reading to do, more blog posts, uh, more solutions for indie filmmakers, more panels. We'll have a panel talk coming up uh, really soon that we are going to drop on you. So the, the fountain of content is not going to end anytime soon. So thanks for hanging in there with us. We'll have some cool stuff for you guys too outside of content as well. So keep your ear to the ground on that. You can always reach out to us at any time at contact at bonsai.film. And we mentioned people emailing us there at the top of the conversation. So feel free to do that. It's contact at bonsai.film. We answer every email, every email. That's our commitment to you. You can also reach out to us, DM us uh, on social at underscore bonsai creative. You can find us there uh, or at that handle on Instagram, on Twitter and TikTok. Wow, we're on TikTok. That's cool. Uh, but we're just getting started there. And you can just search for Bonsai Creative on Facebook. Or as my people in in uh, Florida say, Fade Book. You can find us on Fade Book. Fade Book. Fade Book. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just search for Bonsai Creative. If you want to reach out to Nick directly, it's nick at bonsai.film. And if you want to reach out to me, I love being contacted on Twitter. So you can find me at flame in your heart or just search for Christopher Barkley. And as always, if you want a head start in your filmmaking journey, go to www.bonsai.film. 
where you can sign up for our newsletter, support this podcast, becoming a true fan and get a million other resources. That's hyperbole folks, but you can get a ton of resources there at the website. So with that, Nick, can you please leave us with the bonsai creative creative? Of course. And I got to do it as one of my favorite characters. If you don't mind, please be ready. Be better, be creative, Mr. Wet, and be engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. Nick, this has been a blast. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man, you take it easy, bro. Pretty good. All right, yeah, peace. (laughs) You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at flamingyourheart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.